Friday Lunchtime Lectures at the Open Data Institute. Uh, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for another Zoom edition of ODI Fridays. Uh, my name is James, and I'm a consultant at the Open Data Institute. And today we are joined by my wonderful colleague, Renata Samson, who is our senior policy advisor at the ODI. Uh, and Renata is going to be presenting the lunchtime lecture. Uh, we'll be talking about the About Data About Us projects, which is a joint collaboration between the ODI, the Royal Society for the Encouragement of Arts, Manufactures and Commerce, and Luminate. The project explored what people think and feel about data, uh, about data rights and data ownership. And today we'll hear more about that work, what people want to see and happen next, and learn about the different types of data about us. Before handing over to Renata, can I just ask that all participants please turn off their microphones and cameras during the presentation? You'll have the opportunity to ask questions at the end of the presentation. So if you do want to ask something, then please submit your question using the chat function. And after the presentation, I'll ask people to one by one unmute and then ask your questions. I'd also like to remind you that we are recording this session. Once again, thank you for joining us today. And now I'll hand over to Renata. Thank you, James. Um, bear with me one moment whilst we make this work. Uh, so thank you very much for that very warm welcome. Uh, 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 you've touched upon almost every one of my slides in a, in a very brief space of time. So uh, I think you all now know a little bit about what's coming up. So I'm Renata Sampson, I'm Senior Policy Advisor at the Open Data Institute, and uh, uh, as James said, this About Data About Us project is a project that ran last year with, uh, in, in conjunction with the RSA, the Royal Society of Arts, and with Luminate. Um, and it was about talking about data, about data rights, uh, and about data ownership. Um, bear with me one moment. So, what did we do? Well. Last year, we, uh, we, we ran two focus groups and one workshop with 47 people, uh, uh, a small group of people uh, with a range of ages, ethnicities, abilities, and social, socioeconomic backgrounds and political leanings. The only question that they were asked to be randomly selected to participate with us was, do you think the internet is a positive thing? What we actually found in the groups was that the, the, the range of, uh, uh, of engagement and knowledge was, was broad, um, but, what, but what was completely fascinating is that everybody had an opinion. So we asked them specifically about uh, ideas about rights and responsibilities and ownership and control. Now, these seem fairly straightforward, uh, um, or at least we, we thought that uh, they might be areas that, that, that may be complicated to get our heads around. But what we actually found was immediately straight out of the blocks, everybody had something to say. And you'll see here that there's a, a, couple, of, um, a couple of examples of, of comments that were made directly to us uh, with regards to ownership and control. The point of, we only own data when it's within ourselves, and as soon as you reveal it, you don't own it, actually seemed to be present prevalent amongst the majority of the, of the groups that we spoke to. Those that said at the start of the session, I think I own my data, by the end of the session felt very much that they didn't feel they <laughs> owned their data any longer, mainly because of the conversations that were had around the table with people expressing views such as ownership is a myth, uh, it's a woolly concept, how can you own something that isn't yours, and as soon as it's out there, it's gone. 
Now, these are really interesting points. We started with the idea that most of us talk about data as my data, data about me. And yet, actually, data tends to be, as the title of the work suggests, about us. It's very rare for a piece of information to solely be about, about us, about me as an individual. Even our names, uh, our date of births, uh, we share our addresses. These are pieces of information that are often about other people as well. And predominantly, we make decisions about the sharing of data about us when we're making decisions about the others. So, for example, uh, if we share a photograph online, it may not just solely be about, uh, about me as an individual. Uh, if I share contents of my uh, mobile device, that also is about other people as well. Predominantly, uh, is data about us is about us and others. And that idea was demonstrated very strongly by the groups that we spoke to. It wasn't us suggesting that this was something we needed to think about. They told us very, very clearly. So the idea of ownership as well was, was challenged very strongly by some in the group. Uh, uh, one gentleman suggested to us that even the things that he buys online, such as music or video games, are, are, are never his. He may pay money for them, but he's effectively just borrowing them for a period of time. He doesn't actually own it. And so the idea, therefore, that we could buy and sell data about us, which is something that some uh, are, are, are suggesting is the next stage of things, was very deeply challenged. Rights and responsibilities, however, seem to be something that the people that we spoke with were very pro. Uh, 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 I mean, this is a fairly rip, uh, rich response that uh, I have on the screen here that one person said to us that trying to get something back off the internet is like trying to take the piss out of, back out of a swimming pool, demonstrated that even though we do have rights and responsibilities, they're often quite um, hard uh, 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 to, to, to enact uh, for ourselves individually. And people actually demonstrated to us very sound knowledge and understanding of the General Data Protection Regulation, the GDPR. They knew at least two of the rights that they have within the GDPR. And they had some very strong views that even though um, for those who, who worked in an environment where GDPR became uh, 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 important, uh, maybe in marketing, for example, but whilst it was, and I quote, a pain in the ass, it did actually do some good. And we definitely felt, we definitely heard from the people around the tables that we spoke to that um, rights and responsibilities were much more uh, 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 the, the choices that people wanted to go with than the idea of ownership. Um, being able to demonstrate your rights, being able to suggest that there are responsibilities for us as, as people, but also for businesses and governments was the, was the preference. Uh, and that idea of feeling responsible really, really mattered. Uh, um, people wanted to be able to have good conversations about, about how data should be shared. So the interesting thing that we found from starting a conversation where we thought, oh, we're not even sure we're going to be able to have a very rich conversation because we were told so often that uh, uh, by policymakers, by the press, etc., that people don't care about what happens with their data, or that they don't simply understand what happens about their data, and that data about them they're willing to share in order to get a convenience or a, or a benefit, actually was really, really challenged. We heard very, very, very clearly from all the 47 people that we spoke with that they care and they get it and they want to see different, they want to see changes happen. So we did hear reassuringly that people in the main really like 
really like their data lives, their digital lives. They like having the internet. They like the technology. They like all the opportunity and ease that it has brought to them. And you could definitely say right now in the situation that we're all in in lockdown, if it weren't for the, for, for the internet, we'll be struggling even more than many of us already are. We are able to keep in touch with each other through work, uh, our social lives, to be able to order groceries uh, and essentials through the internet. So the idea then that we want to uh, um, challenge this digital world that we've got is definitely not something that anyone we spoke to wanted uh, uh, or indeed now um, would seem to be an obvious or, 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 or um, uh, necessary choice. But what we did hear is that even in amongst these opportunities, people are feeling very worried. They don't feel as though they have any control. Even though they understood and knew some of their rights and responsibilities through the GDPR, the idea that they actually could make that happen was felt to be lost. They felt very pessimistic about the, the truth and the honesty and, the, and the, the transparency of things that happen online, how businesses and governments engage with them. They felt very resigned to the fact that uh, when it comes to terms and conditions or cookies, for example, uh, where we get to have an option about how we want to share data about us, that often the options are simply black and white and that it's not more nuanced than that. They felt nagged, uh, uh, even, the, even though they wanted on the one side to be able to have greater control, they also felt nagged by the amount of pop-ups that happened. And there's a tension there. They felt exploited. Uh, the language of I'm not a robot was something that was said very specifically to us by one person and then, and then was picked up by others. We're not robots. Uh, we are individuals. We, ha we have autonomy. We also are part of families and friendship groups and society as a whole. Uh, and there are different pressures there as to how exploitation or feeling exploited happens. They were uncomfortable about the decisions that were, be, that were being made and stored about them, the nuances, the inferences, the, the issues about uh, our behaviours. And they all wanted the idea that we should be more responsible about how we talk about when I want data about me to be shared, uh, 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 if I'm uncomfortable with somebody sharing something about me online, or, or, or indeed how governments or, or businesses um, seek, to, seek to engage with us. And one, one real strong message that was presented to us was the idea of a dial for control. Again, this idea that there's a black and white, simple, straightforward approach simply made people feel very, very uncomfortable. So whilst we heard a, a great deal about the negatives as well as the positives, the one thing that really came across to us was that there's no, there wasn't necessarily a coherent language or a shared language to be able to express when we felt comfortable, when the people we spoke to felt comfortable, or when they felt uh, uh, uncomfortable about what data it is that they were being asked to share. And often they were muddling the ideas of the different parts of data about us. So we went away and we created this. Now, um, straight up, this is, this is just a tool to start conversation. It's, it's a tool to enable people to be able to find language to be able to say, I'm happy with this, I'm uncomfortable with this, and enable them to make a better choice. It's based very firmly on the GDPR. We are not trying to rewrite data protection. We're not trying to uh, uh, challenge any of the laws that we have around us. We're just trying to find ways of set, taking something that can often sound very technical and, and, and make it much more um, uh, uh, comfortable for us to talk about. 
So as you'll see, we've created four pots of data, if you wish. The personal data, the identifiers about us, the name, the address, the email, the telephone number, the things that predominantly we know we have to share, we have to give permission for use of in order to be able to receive the, the, the grocery order or the parcel from, from Amazon uh, or the information just to be able to, 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 to get a form or, 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 or to use a service. Most people in the main are comfortable with sharing that personal data about themselves. The sensitive data, which under GDPR is referred to as special category data, is the data that goes a little bit deeper about who we are, about our gender, our race, our religion, our political views, our biometrics, for example, our sexual orientation. This, again, is something that's very nuanced and very precise to us as individuals, but is also about people as a whole. We share, we share these, we share these uh, 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 types of data with others. Then the category of behavioural data. Now, this is, um, this is the stuff where, that we wanted to give a name to because this is the area where people were demonstrating that they have the most amount of concern and that they want the most amount of control over. This is our browsing history, our search history, our preferences, our likes, our dislikes. It's the inferences that are made about us. You could say that this is information, this is data that... Um, hasn't been collected about us in the way that it is now ever before. Historically, we would share information like this, our, our, our thoughts and feelings about stuff uh, uh, through a focus group, for example, a market research group. But now, because so much of our lives are online, the, the, this data that, get, that um, uh, 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 is collected persistently through our engagements, our shopping baskets, uh, the, the searches that we make on a search engine, uh, it, it provides much greater insight into us. And the inferences that are taken from it are then used to be able to target adverts to us or to be able to pull us into groups in order to present us with recommendations. This was the area that people felt the most conflicted about, uh, that I'm not a robot area, The who I am today isn't the person I was yesterday, it's not the person I am tomorrow, was said to us by one gentleman. And we felt that very strongly there needed to be some language around saying, I'm uncomfortable about this or I want to control. So we created the behavioural data category. The final category, the societal data, is, uh, is the data that's historically, traditionally been collected about all of us. It's census data, demographics, travel patterns. It's about, it's about us as individuals, but predominantly it's about us as society. It's not in the main used to, to pick us out as individuals out of a crowd. And we felt that there was a real need to be able to explain and find language as well about that data, because when we discussed with the people that we chatted with, they were busy mixing up the stuff that they felt very nervous about sharing and didn't have the language to be able to say, well, you know, actually, I'm, I'm really happy with you knowing that about me, as long as you don't re-identify me was what we heard. Right now, with regards to the coronavirus situation, the COVID-19 situation we find ourselves in, the need to understand the difference between behavioural and societal data and the nuances between those are really, really important if we're going to start to use some of the applications that are being discussed right now, if we're going to start to be able to talk about what we're comfortable sharing about us as individuals that help society or where we feel as though the, the balance isn't, isn't, isn't quite right. Uh, so using this sort of language, 
talking more to people about the type of data that they're being asked to share or provide or publish or engage with is uh, uh, is work in progress, but is something that we've found through talking with people and then through testing that, that there's been a great deal of positive engagement with. So from that, we test shops, we tested that with people, but what we wanted to do more than anything was listen to what people said to us that they wanted to see happen next. This wasn't about us, uh, uh, the three organisations saying this is what this is what's what. We wanted to hear what people had to say. And so what we found was, and which is detailed very clearly in the reports, is that people want to have greater honesty and transparency. They want to know much more clearly from governments and from organisations and businesses, why is data being asked for? How long is it going to be held for? For what purpose? Who's going to see it, use it, share it? For what benefit? This idea of benefit was really very important. We're told often this is for your benefit, but actually people around the table that we spoke with wanted to know who determined that it was for our benefit and why, and that they very clearly wanted to have that explained to them so that they could make their own decision about whether it was something they wanted to participate in. We found that people want agency and control. We were told very clearly, I want to opt into services. I don't want to have to opt out of them. I want to be asked permission. I want to be have direct engagement and, and explanations. Don't just assume or presume that I'm happy to share because I, I might not be. And how do I know if you don't tell me the information? They wanted, even though there is a contradiction here, whilst they felt a little bit nagged, they did also want that idea of, um, of, of, of flagging, of signposting, of friction in a service. We heard someone say to us very clearly, uh, um, why am I always asked if, I, if I'm sure I want to delete something? Why aren't I asked if, I, if I'm sure I want to upload something? And that's a really interesting point. We have very different engagements with these things and, uh, 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 and the idea of having a moment, even if one one time it's irritating, another time it might be of a benefit to us uh, to stop and pause and have a think before, before we share. Uh, we heard about compliance and enforceability. There was a very strong idea that people felt uh, aggrieved that data about them may be being sold and they wanted an end to that. The rights and responsibilities, it was, it, it was said to us we want to see some light touch regulation, that we all have responsibilities, people, government and business, that transparency, clarity, honesty and responsibility is critical and they want to see better behaviour from business. And with regards to context and fairness, we heard an awful lot about the idea of automated decision making. This thing, going back to the behavioural data point of view, that we want to know when that's happening to us and we want to be able to decide whether or not we want to be part of that. Sometimes, yes, we really do want an organisation to say, we know all of this about you and we think you might be interested in, in this pair of shoes or this holiday uh, 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 or, or this wallpaper. But other times we actually just, we want to figure it out for ourselves. We don't want it, we heard, to be a, um, a broad sweep that this is just the way it is. So the overall thing we took away from this is that context and nuance matter. As we said, uh, we heard people say, I'm not a robot, or who I am today isn't who I was yesterday, it's not who I am tomorrow. Just because I like Nike trainers right now, I might change my mind. I, I might like Puma tomorrow. That idea of being able to change our mind was absolutely critical. And this is kind of the hard part of, of this work and, and, and of our digital lives. 
is that there is no one size fits all. Everybody we spoke to had a very different engagement with, with the online world and with data about them. They made decisions in one breath that in the next breath they felt differently about. And I think it's very important, and we think it's very important to demonstrate that that's not a bad thing. That is life. We, we make decisions based on our environment, on the moment, uh, on the time of day, on uh, uh, what, what we're listening to, what we're seeing, who's talking to us, how we may be feeling emotionally. Uh, right now, with the current pandemic, we're all, our emotions are, are all over the place. And so the decisions we'll be making will be based on a moment in time. So that's very hard if we're going to demonstrate broad sweeping rights, uh, uh, um, but it's something that it's very important to think about. And the, one of the key themes from this piece of work is that the presumptions that have been made about us and about our understanding of data and where we're prepared to share or not and for what purpose and for what benefits or convenience are now really being very challenged by people as a whole. We have all leveled up in our understanding. So, uh, 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 the bottom is with, this, with regards to this work, the purpose of it was initially to start a conversation with people, government and business. We listened, we heard, as I've demonstrated, that people really get it, that they've all got a very strong opinion. They all want to see certain things happen next and they want governments and businesses to keep improving. And that they were very clear it's not about owning data, but it's about having strong rights about data. We didn't just chat with people. We have subsequently taken this work and we have presented it to uh, uh, civil society, uh, uh, politicians, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, governments and businesses, both here in, in, in the UK, in London and in Germany, in Berlin. And we want to continue in due course to be able to have that conversation more broadly and to see how people's learnings are going. Particularly now, again, with the current situation that we find ourselves in, we are all far more aware and attuned to the power that data can have, that the benefits of sharing it in order to be able to help one another societally, but also the decisions that we're having to make as individuals or for our family about the services that we're signing up to online because we're unable to, 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 to engage in the physical world as clearly as we did before. So the key takeaways are, it's data about us and that therefore decisions are about us as well as just us as individuals that we're not robots, that we need to be able to contribute and share and understand and have transparency and that uh, uh, presumptions and inferences uh, need to be much more clearly flagged and we should be able to opt in or out from that. And that overall, we have a real opportunity that with GDPR is an extremely good starting point, but there's, there's still room for improvement and a strengthening of our data rights. So thank you. That was a real uh, uh, whistle-stop tour through some very uh, interesting, uh, almost a year's worth of work. There are a range of uh, reports. There's a video you can watch online. Uh, uh, I would recommend, if you're interested in this, to have, have a read of the reports because they, they put more clearly the, the language that we heard, the comments we heard from people out there. Uh, and you can see much more about the various different asks that people had. Um, I'm happy to take any questions. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Renata. Um, that was really interesting. We have a couple of questions. Uh, I'm going to open it up to Hannah first. Hannah, would you like to ask your question? Hi, yeah. Um, my, my, I just wanted to know from your own point of view, what you found to be the most shocking or surprising thing that came up in the, the, the groups and the conversations that you held. Um, 
I, uh, uh, I'm going to reveal my own uh, um, arrogance, I suppose, uh, for want of a better word. I've been talking about data for a very long time and um, have usually had to walk into a room and, and, and explain things. What was uh, uh, astonishing uh, uh, but, and fabulous uh, in this project was that when we walked into the first uh, group session, the first focus group, and we said, we're going to talk about this, and we asked the question, uh, what is data? The, the, the force with, of, of people's opinions kind of did throw us back into our chairs. And I felt so excited and engaged to be able to hear that everyone had a strong opinion and that it wasn't down to people who talk about this every day as part of their work uh, uh, to, to try and pull opinions out of out, out of anyone. Everybody had a unique experience. Everybody had pressure points. The idea that they were happy to share was, was very strong, but also that they have concerns and that ideas about rights, responsibilities, privacy, ethics, uh, security, worrying about how their children uh, are engaging in their online worlds, uh, and, and when decision making takes place, a lot of which I've outlined, to me was really exciting. I, I, I felt very encouraged um, and relieved that everybody now cares. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you. Um, we have a question from Anna McKeown. Anna, would you like to ask your question? Sure. Hi Renata, thanks for that presentation, it was great. Um, I was just wondering about the methodology and um, how many people you spoke to and if you test, if you sort of tested the qual in a sort of quant setting with a larger representative group or um, a bit more information about that would be great. It's a, it, it, it's a very important question. It was a very small group of people uh, initially. We spoke to 47 people uh, uh, within the greater London area. Uh, with specifics to, to, to the work that you're asking about, uh, you would need to speak to the RSA uh, and they can provide you with a lot more detail about that. It is their report. We were brought in to, to, to write it uh, and it was agreed uh, amongst the teams that, um, that the, 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 the sort of... Um, qualitative approach was going to bring a lot more uh, 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 colour and richness to the conversation. Uh, there are a range of other organisations doing very similar work now. Uh, the Centre for Data Ethics and Innovation, uh, DCMS, um, Ada Lovelace Institute, there are a range of others that are doing similar stuff, but we're, we're really pleased that even though we only spoke to a small group of people, we were able to kickstart a lot of this chat and this idea that people get it, which really hadn't been being promoted, I didn't feel so clearly beforehand. We were still seeing lots and lots of quantitative studies, you know, saying things like 75% of people are really happy to share data about them for this, and 65% of them are worried about the privacy angle. Uh, uh, what we've demonstrated through the, through chat, even with a small group, is that the, the context and nuance element is so much more abstract, but actually so important to interrogate further. So um, for specific to chat with the RSA, who would be happy to talk with you. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, but more generally, this really was very much a start of something as opposed to a, a definitive. Thank you for the question, though. Great. And uh, I think there's just one more question, which is from me. Um, so I'm really interested in, in understanding whether there's been any kind of particular actions that you've seen have been taken by people, by government or by businesses kind of as a result of this work? Uh, well, the starting point, as I've just uh, 
uh, indicated is that now lots of organisations seem to be having a, 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 a um, taking a, a more broad approach with people. The, the questions that are being asked are much more now. I think based on the okay, everyone gets it, so let's dig deeper into what into what's next. So the, there's that angle. Um, we have definitely done some work at the ODI with businesses uh, to look at how this work and certainly the language part of this work can be used to create greater transparency and trust. Uh, um, and conversations around cookie use, for example, cookies are such a minefield, and, and people are frustrated by them, but also want clearer signposting. So that alone has been interesting um, the, the the way of being able to talk about behaviors and societal data uh, uh, I've said it, it that it, it's not always useful it's not always straightforward but um, whenever we've discussed it whenever we've tested it whenever we bring it into conversation you see light bulb moments happen with people and then it changes the way that people are then able to talk about stuff uh, and certainly what was interesting as well with it in regards to the workshops that we held with experts in London and in Berlin is that everything that was demonstrated by the the people that we spoke with it it raised so much conversation uh, and people, the experts were, were starting to talk about their, their optimism and their, their, their worries in, in human language as opposed to in policy language. So um, that in itself, I think, is a, is, a, is a real change of dynamic because it means that we're all having to or we're all starting to engage much more as to how it actually impacts us and how we want to see uh, rights improve. So I hope that kind of answered your question, James. <laughs> uh, it's a starting point. Uh, and we're, we're always glad um, and I'm always interested here. Any feedback or thought processes that anybody has that they'd like to share with us to improve this or challenge it or expand it. Uh, uh, um, um, so please do feel free to get in touch. Great. I think we've got one more question again from Anna. Anna, do you want to ask your question? Yeah, sorry. I hope you don't mind me peppering with questions. Just oh, <laughs> sure. uh, yeah, I was wondering whether, whether there is anything that participants did struggle with or that anything that you were talking to them that they were less engaged with. Um, I mean, it, that's always been my experience of deliberation in that people do tend to get things more understand things more readily than you might assume but I was wondering whether there's anything that they were either felt was less important to discuss or, or just didn't connect with. Uh, if, if I'm honest the uh, that conversation about whilst there's the optimism for how the, the digital lives the idea of when they're comfortable to share really was not very clear uh, uh, um, we had long conversations about well surely you're happy when you, you know uh, information um, uh, uh, societal information is out there and, and there was a, there was a breakdown of understanding uh, uh, but then actually uh, engagement came out of oh well I like it when I give blood that I can then see where my blood has been taken to or uh, um, actually I find it really useful to to see how um, my council tax has been spent and what improvements it's had in my community so the 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 real world engagement was there but the language to be able to explain it was wasn't as as forthcoming there was that there was also um and i don't know if this really is specific to your question but what was clear is that i think just as we do in the physical in our physical lives we often think that everybody sees the world the same way as we do and we heard very clearly that everybody has very different engagement online and what was then fascinating from that was that those that struggled with certain um 
certain ideas were then challenged within the group and then learning was shared amongst the group. So you would hear someone say, I genuinely don't care. I'm an open book, do whatever. Uh, uh, I'm happy to share anything about me. But then would give a very specific story about, oh, but there was this one time when I, this happened and I really didn't like it. And you heard the rest of the group, some other members rather of the group say, oh, well, there are ways that you can deal with that. You should try this program or this service or do you have a VPN? Are you aware of Google of DuckDuckGo as an alternative? And so um, the opportunity is, I, I feel, is that is that if we if we all are able to engage and listen to one another more, uh, we, we're all teaching each other all the time. Sorry, that's not specific to your question, <laughs> uh, um, but um, but I thought it was an interesting insight. <laughs> Great. Um... And another question from Andrea. Andrea, do you want to ask your question? Certainly. Um, thank you for the presentation. Um, so I guess my, my question, and perhaps when I look through the reports, I can get a better sense of this, but off the top of your head, what is your sense about um, what, what our knowledge gaps are in this area? And I have a particular interest in underserved communities, communities of color, and um, you know, I'm, I'm calling from the United States. And I, I, what I'm hearing, I don't know to what extent you're, you're Folks are just so like forward on this because you guys in general are, are ahead of us and you you know compared to the United States are mostly wondering if it was the sample that was taken. Um, but so I guess to that specifically, and then just generally, what questions do you still have, or what what are you trying to figure out? Thank you. Um, oh wow! I, I mean, I think in in some respects, uh, knowledge gap it, it, it's everywhere. Uh, as as my previous kind of wonky answer, uh, uh, wonky as in skew with answer, uh, um, uh, demonstrates is that everybody's experience is completely unique in many respects. So we are all used to using certain services, but actually everyone we spoke to demonstrated a different way of using it. You know, for example, um, the way one person uses Facebook differed to how another person uses Facebook uh, 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 or, um, or, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with that. That's a good example. Um, so there's knowledge gaps all over the place. But the fact that I, f I feel from these conversations that we've seen a leveling up of knowledge means that that sharing of, of I've got knowledge that you don't have or how do you feel about this because I feel differently was actually improving things. Um, there's, there's, there's still, because the context and nuance is so critical in this, I think it's almost impossible to be able to give you a reasonably strong answer because, uh, because people people as I was saying people were saying one thing in one breath and another thing in the next but rather than our take from the piece of work was rather than see that as infuriating that's actually the challenge uh, and that's a positive challenge because it means that um, there, there may not be a specific solution which is why the ownership model felt so wrong to people but that the rights model felt better because there's there's there's, there's enough room within rights to, for people to feel um, that they can engage or feel empowered uh, or feel that there's a model for them to be able to use for themselves. I mean, the other thing is, is GDPR is still very new. It's not international. It's the, the foundation for a lot of new thinking. Uh, but there, there, are, there is room for, for improvement of it. And if you do read the reports, you'll see certain areas that from not from just from people saying I want it I want this to be better the automated decision making part of it was important the idea that they didn't want uh, uh and I didn't speak about this but that they didn't want news specifically focused and targeted on them that they want to have a much more generic experience that was about news that was also about adverts um 
there's knowledge gaps everywhere. But what's fascinating is that knowledge has leveled up. Thank you. Uh, Renato, I think there was just another part of that question as well, which is around kind of underserved communities. Uh, Is there anything you can touch on on that? Um, If I'm honest, I mean, we had it was it was a completely mixed bag of people that we spoke with. Uh, um, We had there was there was some there was some serious conversation had about wealth gaps, certainly about how um, uh, some a couple of participants were very strong strongly concerned that uh, uh, um, choice of using services is uh, differs between uh, different socioeconomic groups. That was actually challenged back, was that uh, in, in the majority of people can access the internet in some, in some respect, of the people that we were speaking with, right? Uh, and that therefore, actually, the internet's kind of a leveler. <laughs> you know, it's free for all to use. Uh, um, so there was some pushback in terms of the conversation that took place between the people in the group. But overall, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm honest, that wasn't touched upon very deeply. The concern more was that um, became a concern about surveillance uh, that certain groups are monitored much more online, uh, that privacy becomes a concern then. But that wasn't, that, that was a wider conversation as opposed to a specific focus on the report. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. I think that that is all of the questions that we have. So I'd just like to say one final thank you to Renata for a brilliant presentation. Uh, and thank you to everyone who joined us today. Um, We'll be back in a couple of weeks. I think the next one is on Friday, the 15th of May. Uh, That's going to be by Suki Fuller, who is the founder of Miraburi. I hope I've said that right. Uh, And uh, Suki will be telling us about why the fifth industrial revolution will be about reclaiming our time, which sounds very intriguing. And I have absolutely no idea what that's actually about. Um, So please do tune in. Uh, In the meantime, take care, stay safe, everyone. And hopefully we'll see you next time. Thank you. You've been listening to a Friday Lunchtime Lecture, brought to you by the Open Data Institute.